Welcome to Soulful Book Thoughts with me, the reader extraordinaire. Hello, my lovely bookworms, and welcome to the Reader Extraordinaire's Book Thoughts for the Soul with me, your reader extraordinaire. How's everyone doing? I hope everyone has had a wonderful week so far. Um, it's been pretty good for me. There, we haven't been doing a ton at school because it's the last week of school. So we've just been kind of relaxing a little bit and not doing a ton. But I was able to finish Priory of the Orange Tree, finally. So I am going to do the book of the month episode a little early instead of on the 31st because I'm just, I'm ready to talk about it. It's been the book of the month for two months, um, for April and now May. So I'm ready to talk about it and share my thoughts with you guys. And as usual, I welcome you to talk about your thoughts as well. Um, you can, you can message me, you can just comment it, you can do it however you want to do, but I always want to hear from you. Um, so I wanted to just kind of start out by saying that this was an incredibly long book to pick for book of the month. Normally I can get through a book that long in a month. Normally it does not take me two months to read a book, but because it was kind of getting to the crunch time with my kids and it's just been crazy. So, and it's the end of the semester and it's just, you know, it took me a little extra time to get through it and read it, but nonetheless, it was fabulous. It didn't take me long to read it. It didn't take me so long to read it because it wasn't good or it wasn't engaging. It just took me that long because I put it down in the middle of the height of the school stuff that was going on. So, I mean, I flew through this book. Um, when I could sit down and actually read it. It, I mean, it is one of the most expertly crafted novels that I've read in a while. Um, it's an epic fantasy and it is long, complex, and very detailed, but I have not read anything like that in a long time. And I know a lot of people compare it, sort of, to Lord of the Rings. Um, but they also do that with Song of Ice and Fire by George R. R. Martin. Because it is so long, so detailed, and so character-oriented. I think the only thing that this one, that Prior of the Orange Tree didn't have is like, it had maybe one or two dialogue sentences in a different language, but not, language was not a big part of it. So it's known that every, there are language barriers, but for the most part, each little piece of world stays in its own little piece of world until the end. And I'll get there, but it takes a while for both sides to come together and it's because of a long-standing war and not war necessarily but belief system religion essentially so i'm gonna go on goodreads like i do all the time to tell you the people's plot um it is just 
I mean, it is a hefty book, but it is so good. I cannot wait to read the second one, um, which is actually a prequel. It's called A Day of Fallen Night. Um, but I see on here that there is a second one coming. It's untitled. Um, there's, it's, I don't know how long this series will be or if it'll just be like a duology, but it's called The Roots of Chaos. And I, I, I have a feeling maybe, I mean, this thing already has 4.55 ratings and 12 reviews already. I mean, but you know, oh my gosh, she actually, okay. So she actually wrote a little message on here as like a comment. Hi, Goodreads. You won't be hearing any detail. This was in 2022. You won't be hearing any details about this for a few years as it isn't written yet. I need a little breather from the door stoppers, primarily focus on my fifth and sixth bone season books, but I'm really looking forward to showing you more of the roots of chaos world when the time comes. Thank you so much for showing enough support for the first two books that I've been able to sign a contract for the third. It really means the world to me that I can keep telling these stories. There will be another prequel rather than a sequel to Priory. I'm hoping to write a sequel one day to finish the cycle of books. But first, I want to show you more of the world's history and the origins of the imbalance between Sidon and Staren. In the meantime, I hope you enjoy A Day of Fallen Night. Love, Samantha. So, I mean, she said there's a third. She, she has signed a third. But A Day of Fallen Night is the only second book and the only book for now. So... I'm excited getting into that. I, I didn't see that until literally just now. That's super cool. Wow. That's cool. Hmm. Okay. Well, that's cool that we know a little bit of her plans about kind of like where it's going. So, Prior of the Orange Tree um, is by Samantha Shannon. So, here we go. I, ooh, yeah, I did start reading this on April 3rd. Whoops. My bad. Okay, so here it is. A world divided, a queendom without an heir, an ancient enemy awakens. The house of Barathnet has ruled Ennis for a thousand years. Still unwed, Queen Sabran the Ninth must conceive a daughter to protect her realm from destruction. But assassins are getting closer to her door. Eadurian is an outsider at court. Though she's risen to the position of lady-in-waiting, she's loyal to a hidden society of mages. Eid keeps a watchful eye on Sabran, secretly protecting her with forbidden magic. Across the sea, Tanya has trained to be a dragon rider since she was a child, but is forced to make a choice that could see her life unravel. Meanwhile, the divided east and west refuse to parley, and forces of chaos are rising from their sleep. I mean, just, like, so I didn't actually, I don't think I actually read a synopsis or, like, like a, a, a blurb about the, what this book was. Um, and it's actually funny because I'm wearing an orange shirt, and if you're watching me on... YouTube, you can see that my shirt is quite orange, um, and I have orange earrings on, which is so funny that I'm filming this. This is kind of why I wanted to do it early, because I picked this outfit for a reason. But anyway, well, I mean, I picked this to wear to school, and then I coincidentally finished the book at school. But anyway, you get where I'm going with it. So, I did not really know what I was getting into, and I started to do some, like, background searching for what exactly a priory was because 
I was confused and I was doing some research into the history of things. Not not that like real world history matters or real world things matter because this is an entirely created world. But I wanted to know what a priory was. And it could be used for either monks or nuns. Um, that was my confusion. Because I thought that priories were mostly for men because um, they're called priors but they have a prioress and those are real things so I was like oh okay cool so except for this world priory is pretty much only for women um there's one male at the priory of the orange tree his name is Chassar Upasad and he is a very special man <laughs> um the priory basically that is the that is the secret society of mages um that Eid Durin is part of um and the reason it's secret is because of this long standing religion dispute between the east and the west so the easterners believe that this this nameless one which is the evil that's rising, um, a dragon. The Easterners believe that Cleoland, and this is where it gets complicated, so hang with me. Cleoland, the wonderful mother, they call her the mother, like a god, she slew and bound the nameless one for a thousand years. That's what the Easterners believe. The Westerners believe that Cleoland did not actually do that. Sorry, my cats are crazy. That Cleoland was part of it, but that her husband, Galleon, was actually the one who, like, tamed the beast and it was awful. And, you know, that from Galleon and, and Cleoland getting married and having children made the Barathnet line, which is what Queen Sabran descends from. So the Westerners believe in Ennis that Queen Sabran and the whole Barathnet line is what is holding the Nameless One, this dragon awful entity. They believe that that Barathnet line, all women, they've all been queens, is what's holding that thing at bay. Queen Sabran, not married, doesn't have an heir. She is kind of, she's feeling the pressure because she's like, I have to continue the line and I have to have a girl. So that's the difference between the East and the West. And obviously they don't get along because the Easterners, they believe a totally different thing. And then, of course, you have the Siki people, which is what Tanya, or Tane, or Tane. I'm not quite sure how you're supposed to say her name specifically, but I always say it as Tane. She is a dragon rider. They ride dragons. Their, their dragons are gods. They're water dragons. There are fire breathers, and there are water dragons. So... 
But they're outsiders too because other people call them worms and that they are awful beings that need to be slayed, like the East. So in all of this, there is political things going on. There are magical things going on. There's history in the making. It is an insane book with some insane characters because there's pirates stealing a guy and stealing a dragon from Tane. And it's like, I mean, it's this whole crazy ride of, I mean, and you get, let's see, how many points of view do you get? You get a total of four. You get Sabran, kind of, sort of. You get Tane. You get Eid. You get Nicklaze. I think that's it. Yeah, Sabran, Tane, Eid, and Nicklaze. Those are the four people you get. Nicklaze is a male. So the other three are women. It's very feministic. Fe feministic. It's very feminine um, and very feminist forward um, because they're just very powerful women. Um, and Sabran is like the be-all, end-all. She is the queen she is up there. So she has to get married. She does. And she does get pregnant. Um, sadly, she loses the baby in this awful struggle with a white worm, a dragon. Um, the dragons are very cool in this book. And they're not, they're not all evil. So it depends on what side you're on. Like, are you on the east or are you on the west? Depends on where you grew up. Like, Tane is a dragon rider. She is part of Clan Maduchi. But then she gets kicked out because of something the Clays does. Every character is so connected to each other, they just don't know it yet. They have no idea. Because, like, Queen Sabran exiled Maclay's Ruse, who is an alchemist, who is looking for the ingredients for the elixir of life. Okay. To make Sabran immortal because she didn't want to get married and she didn't want to have a child. But she thought, oof, I'm a Barathnet. I have to have an heir to keep Nameless One at bay. Okay? Queen Sabran, exiled Nicklaise. Tane, the dragon rider, is kicked out of Clan Maduchi, essentially, and exiled to Feather Island to become a scholar because Nicklaise Ruse sold her out. She let in an outsider, despite there being a ban on visitors because of the dragon plague that they thought. I mean, it is real, but, you know, they were like, no, 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 can't have any visitors. So she let one in, and he got taken to Nicolay's Rue's house on this exiled Orizma island. So he sold her out. She gets kicked out of Clan Maduchi, goes to Feather Island, becomes Scholar, okay? Eid, who is lady-in-waiting, in secret, working for Sabran, she is of the Priory, okay? She's of the Priory. You with me? This is, this is, I mean, you need a chart to do this if you really want to do it the proper way. She is keeping Sabran safe. Because there is a plot to take her down, obviously. But she eventually flees and has to go back to the east. 
and she goes back to the Priory. There are two jewels, magical jewels, that have banished the Nameless One before. Because unbeknownst to the Westerners, the East religion is what really happened. So there is no it's up for interpretation type of thing. It is what really happened in the East. Cleoland really did banish the Nameless One. And she did not fall for Galleon and make this whole thing, you know, it wasn't this thing that the Westerners thought it was. So their entire religion system is just crashing around them as this whole thing happens while there's also a war brewing. So they all have to make peace treaties. Like Sabran is trying to get people to make peace treaties. It works because they don't want the whole world to be destroyed. But Ead, her name is Adaz from the Priory, she has been living in secret in Ennis and has fallen in love with Sabran for, what, seven, eight years? So when she goes back and everything happens, she finds a jewel. She finds one of the special jewels, and so she keeps it, and she realizes that it's important, and she finds out pieces of the important part of the riddle that they're trying to solve on how to bind the Nameless One, but little do they know, Tane... She's always had this pain in her side, and it's always, you know, it gets swollen and tender. Well, she figures out that she has a jewel sewn into her side, which is the second piece of banishing the Nameless One. Tani and Idaz don't know each other, but Idaz has what's called Sidon, which is her magic. It's of the orange tree. Little do they know that Tane is supposed to be Starin, the other part of the magic, Starlight. It's all about balance. In this book, okay? So eventually, all of these characters, Tane and Idaz, they do meet and they do get together to banish the Nameless One in the end. But it's like little pieces of legend here and there that in the end make this gorgeous puzzle. But if you're not, like, if you don't make a chart or can't visualize what's happening, you're going to be so lost. Because... It's like the founding legends, their founding history is like different to the Westerners, but it's really in the East where you find the truth. So it's difficult to keep up if you can't remember and see the connections. But it ends up being this beautiful puzzle of how everything comes together and all of these characters meet in the end. I didn't think they would, but as you go through the book... You see them getting closer and closer to each other because their their adventures are bringing them closer and closer to defeating the Nameless One and meeting each other so they can get the tools to do it with. So it starts on different sides of the world but ends in the middle with each other. It's ridiculous. It is absolutely crazy. Oh my gosh, my cat is going insane. No, what are you doing? Anyway, so, I mean, it's absolutely insane. By the time you get to the end, you're like... Hold on. This all, and like, Nicolas Ruse, hate his character, will forever hate his character, but he is redeemed in the end because he at least gives them the tools. I mean, there's a witch of Aniskia who has power. She's taking hostages, and then they have to find the sword Ascalon, and they have to get these two jewels together, and they have to use the sword to get the the scale off of the nameless one so that they can stab him and then banish him. I'm, I'm telling you, it is just 
the best and most epic adventure that you can go on. And I swear you have to read this for yourself because even me just talking about it, I can't make the connections as perfect and as rounded as they are if you just read it. And I have no doubt that the prologue prequel to it is, it's going to be just as amazing. I mean, I just cannot, it's, it's insane. There was no part in this book that I was bored. The only reason I had to put this down was because I got distracted and I got busy with life. But I'm, I'm kidding you not, I thought about this book every single day that I was not reading it. I was like, hmm. And in the ending, the way this is written, you kind of don't know the ending. And I was trying to think, I was like, does it feel rushed in the end? But no, it kind of still flows like the rest of the book. It is slow, but in the fastest way possible. It is not a boring slow. I wouldn't even call it slow. I would call it detailed and complex world and story building. It did take me a hot second to get into it because they do, there's a lot of a lot of uh, world building that just dumps onto you. So looking back and forth at the map is incredibly helpful to understand because there's place names, legend names. I mean, there there's names out the wazoo. And it's just like, okay, who is from where? Where is this in relation on the map? So flipping back and forth on the map really does help you. But once you get it, you get it. I mean, I got it pretty fast. And I mean, I saw this review because you know I always... You know, I always go to the one star reviews and I'm actually starting, I started with this one because I saw this one. It's a three star. And the reason I clicked on it was because it says, okay, so I finished this behemoth. Was it good? I don't know. I enjoyed it for the most part. Certain aspects of this book absolutely soared, but overall it is way too long and the plot is a bit of mess. Inelegant. Oh, no. I mean, yeah, Ia does have a queer love story because she's in love with Sabran. And I wouldn't say, though, that Ia takes the most story plot because Tane, we start out with Tane a lot. And I also don't think it's too long. It's perfect because there is no way this could have been achieved. All the pieces of the puzzle would not have fit if this had been any shorter. It would have felt way too rushed and just, ugh. Yeah, I mean, everyone is saying that this is a comparison because they're like, it's the feminist successor to The Lord of the Rings. I mean, it is just, there's the lore and the history minus the languages. That's what's happening in this is there's so much. The, I, when I was reading, every time I would pick this up and still I'm thinking about it because I am writing my own novel and every time that I read this or looked at pieces of it or looked at the map, I was like, I am so inspired because the amount of creativity that this woman has to create this plot that's in four pieces that all come together in the end is just outstanding. Because I know my book is not going to be that long. And I thought my book was complex, but ain't no way it touches this. It is just... I, the intricacy is what's getting me every single time. It's just freaking amazing. And I love it. And I'm almost too afraid to click on the one stars because I don't understand why anyone would hate this. I mean, I guess 
I guess I kind of do. People are saying it's overhyped. Sexy title, but it doesn't live up to it. Um... Okay, I don't, I mean, dragons everything. Yeah, I mean. I would, yeah, okay. So I would actually change my mind for the four protagonists. It's Lord Ardaloth Beck instead of Queen Sabran Barathnet. She's part of it, but she's not. There's two men and two women. So Tane, Idaz, Lord Ardaloth Beck, and Nicolae's Ruse. I forgot about him. So. I don't think any of them have the predispositions to be antagonists. It's, they're not anti-heroes. The queen is selfish, moody, bordering on neurotic, politically inept. False. She just doesn't want people making decisions for her. And that's what's happening because they uncover this awful plot of one of their most trusted advisors... And she's, like, very hurt by that because she never expected any of that to happen. I mean, what the heck? A bloated, leaden behemoth lacking in any originality, character development, engaging plot, or good writing. If anyone compares this to Lord of the Rings or Game of Thrones, throw the book at their heads, maybe it will knock some sense into them. I wasted so much time reading such an awful, boring, cliched book. What? Listen, I have never read anything remotely like this. That's why I would never venture to call it cliche, because it's not. It's not overdone. I could not tell where this was going. I mean, the names alone, the spellings, the pronunciations, they're beautiful and so different. The maps are gorgeous. She has a glossary of people. She has a... A plain glossary. I mean, it is just, it is amazing. She could write a whole, and I feel like her prequel is a lot of history and lore, kind of like a textbook almost, written in story form. I just, I cannot get behind that. I don't, eh. Ye old English dialogue. No, it's not. Stiff, dull, and tedious main characters. What? World building was worse. Story borrows bits and pieces from cultures and mythologies of Earth, but feels like everything got thrown into a blender, resulting in a messy hodgepodge that does not make sense. History and myth are relayed clumsily, stiffly, and inorganically. One of the most common methods of relaying information is through inner monologue. Did they read the same book that I read? Because they're not... The way this is written is not supposed to read like a textbook. Because there is so much rich history and lore, it's gonna be difficult to write it that way. But I think it was perfectly written. There were parts where I had to reread, go back, and do that kind of thing. But it was never to the point of, this is unreadable. And it was never to the point of, I should just not read anymore because I'm not having a good time. Okay. 
there's so much wandering. Obstacles are removed with ridiculous ease. I would not say ridiculous ease. I mean, if characters didn't find what they were looking for, the plot could never go anywhere. And there is a part in there where they lose Ascalon, the sword they need the most. They get it back, but they lose the damn sword. I don't know. This is just weird. Coincidences? Oh, come on now. The death toll in this book is absurdly low. Draconic creatures attacking, incurable plague, warring nations betrayed us from within. People should have been dropping like flies. No, we have four-ish, five main people, main narrators, and they don't die. But people around them are dying. Friends are dying. Families are dying. What are you talking about? Religion? Yeah, that's a theme. There's unsatisfying LGBT representation. They're bothly perfect. They're both perfect because there is one. Nicolay's ruse was in love with a man. He died. Sadness. Nicolay's is just an his character despicable but so well written because he is just miserable now that he's lost the one thing in his life. So it it great character representation. Ian and Sabran had no idea that was coming. I had an inkling, didn't know. It is empowering and inspiring. What are you talking about? What amount of characters in history is a problem? There's not really that many characters. Not many main characters. I should have been done with it five pa 500 pages ago. Boring, long, and drawing out, underdeveloped. I don't understand where these people are getting flat characters and boring plot. You know what? This person said they hated the first two-thirds of the book and things only slightly improved once the plot began moving faster. I didn't care about a single character other than Tane. Any chapter section on Dr. Ruse made me want to walk off a bridge because he is the worst. He is. He is the worst. I'm not going to talk about the audiobook because, I mean, they were like, don't get me started on how horrible the narration in the audiobook is. That's not the author's fault. <laughs> That is the audiobook company that hired that person, that narrator. So, I mean, the first two-thirds of the book were my favorite. Because before, before the actual fight with the Nameless One, like, it's just, that was my, that was my favorite. I don't know. I, it's just. DNF at 300, DNF 407. You gave it 50 pages? Who gives an 800 plus page book 50 pages to see if it's good? You're kidding me. You haven't even gotten to any part of the plot or building. What are you doing? 40%. How can a book that's over 800 pages feel underwritten?
This is crazy. I do not find Queen Sabran politically inept. I did hate Nicolay's ruse, but I mean, come on, you would too. He does have a redeemable arc, surprisingly, in the last part of the book. In the last third of the book. But, I mean, all these people who are saying characters are underdeveloped and the plot is just underwritten, I'm confused. Cliché, also confused. What? But I loved it. And if you guys read it with me and you also loved it, good for you. Don't. And if you hated it, that's okay. I just don't understand the reasoning behind some of that because... I have my own arguments for why I don't believe that way, but it's okay. Everyone has their own opinions, and hey, sometimes these books are not for everybody. This is one really hyped book that lived up to my expectations, and I'm really happy with it. I'm glad I finished it. It was a marathon to get it done and hope, because I was wondering if I'd have time to finish it this week before I needed to do my review on the 31st, but I'm pushing it a little bit forward. Um, so I will keep you posted on what's coming next. You can always follow me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. Of course, that's the new. And I have TikTok. And as always, please visit the lovely website because that is what started it all. And I love updating it for you guys and being a part of everything. And I hope you enjoy Thoughtful Thursdays with me. And I hope you all have a wonderful rest of your week. And I hope that you find a book that's going to spark your interest. Um, and if you do, let me know. I have a ton of, I have a ton of books going on right now, but I always will take more suggestions. I love you guys. And I can't wait to talk to you next week. Bye.